Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season five episode of Supergirl titled Stranger Beside Me. And we don't have any news this week, so let's just get right into it, Morgan. So here is the official description Quote, Supergirl, Alex, and Brainiac, which really should be Brainiac 5. It really bothers me that they don't specify because that's two (laughs) different characters in DC Comics. But Supergirl, Alex, and Brainiac thwart an alien attack while William, Stas Nair, investigates Kara. John Jones and Kelly use Obsidian Tech to solve a problem, unquote. So for Supergirl episode descriptions, this is really short. No one has a secret in this. (laughs) (laughs) it's very straightforward uh so i'm very impressed with this episode description this week except for the brainiac name brainiac five guys totally different character come on guys speaking of uh characters that have uh a robotic component to them i want i want us to start talking about the most important part of this episode uh, because some things happened. Yeah, some Jean, his brother stuff happened. Alex and Supergirl. Well, at, and, and Alex fought Supergirl. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's really important about this episode is that we got a new version of Hope the AI. So, Morgan, what did you think about the fact that Lena has now taken Hope, her artificial intelligence, and inserted Hope into Eve Tessmacher. What? <laughs> uh, so I I will say, Rebecca, like, messaged me and was like, whatever you do, don't, like, don't, like, social media blackout yourself. Don't go on. <laughs> I want you to be pure for, for, for this ending. And I was like, this ending, gotta be good. <laughs> and when I watched it last night, I screamed, help! <laughs> now, I will say... <laughs> I'm going to miss. Uh, I'm going to miss Tabletop Hope. I, I think Tabletop Hope was great. Also, it let me it allowed me to do that fun robot voice on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to miss the robot voice, uh, unless maybe Eve starts talking like a robot like halfway through the season. What if Eve suddenly is like, "Hello, Lena. <laughs> I got you coffee. It's." poisoned and everybody's like is it just me or is she being super weird and lena's like what nothing to see here never science murdered a guy 
<laughs> but I mean, what a good, what a good twist. And, and everybody last week was calling like, I bet hope is going to be like a big part of this season. And, you know, as fun as it is to watch a little tabletop robot become <laughs> self-aware um, and then destroy humanity, it's definitely from a from a you know a visual storytelling standpoint, it's a little hard to get involved. Like I was involved already. Not everyone be a hope super fan right off the bat. Hope hope could have been anything, and I would have loved her. <laughs> um, so they're like, well, how do we dramatize this disembodied voice? Uh, I think th- like throwing her into the body of Eve, Eve Tesmacher is a pretty good way to do it. And also it's, it just felt like it felt like watching the beginning of like <laughs> like a, a movie where you're like, I know this isn't going to go well. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lena's like, listen, I, I figured it out. I'm going to just make people nicer. And my first my first uh step on that checklist is going to be to kind of override somebody's brain. Listen, don't think too much about it, but hope is going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I too am going to miss tabletop hope. That was pretty fun to have Lena just kind of talking to a robot uh that that I did enjoy. So I'm going to miss tabletop that uh, but but that also doesn't mean that you can't do the robot voice. I think that's you should true. That's just true. Keep, I, I keep mean, doing the robot voice just because it makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> not that, not because it makes any sense. Can you imagine the kind of like trouble that Hope is now going to get into now that Hope has like a corporeal form? <laughs> I'm interested to know how much of Eve Tessmacher is still in there and how much of it is Hope. But like, if it's all Hope, I kind of look forward to her being like. What is a cookie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, just kind of learning to be human. Like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's probably not going to go the way of like Brainy, where like <laughs> he just sort of learns some things about like our culture and and sort of assimilated. I hope is going to be like, but what if I destroyed everything? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, though. What if? Um, there is a little bit of Eve Tessmacher, Tessmacher still in there, <laughs> and she can override the hope aspect of it. What if it becomes like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation where it's like half hope and like half Eve Tessmacher <laughs> and they're just battling for control? Oh, that see, that could be really interesting because there's a little bit, I thought this episode embodied more of the Superman Red Sun story than all of season four. Because in that story, you get that freedom versus security uh, thematic storytelling device. And there's also the aspect of the fact that there were like Superman robots. So Batman in that story is, he's a representative of free will. And there are these other characters who are sort of mind controlled by Superman. And so I just kind of, it made me think of Superman Red Sun so much because Lena is trying to basically play God is what she's doing. I mean, she is trying to get rid of human flaws and uh, the the problems that we have as humanity and uh, not to bring this completely into the, the realm of theology, but 
from a from like a Christian standpoint, uh, that's basically the fall of man. So when sin was introduced into the world, according to Christian theology, that's when our flaws were introduced, and that's why that's why human beings make mistakes and have sin and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not something that we can just fix. In Christian theology, that's why Jesus comes and dies on the cross and then to forgive sins. Well, Lena is trying to play God and is trying to remove all of that sin from humanity. And I don't think she can do it. She, she says that all, you know, humanity is programmed that way to have these flaws. And I had a couple of questions. Uh, one, if human beings are programmed, who is the programmer? Number two, if human beings are programmed, how is she going to reprogram? So I have a lot of questions about what Lena's doing because she's trying to play God. She's trying to remove sin from humanity, and she's using it through the form of the woman who betrayed her slash <laughs> also is an evil robot. So I'm really, I'm, I see a lot of holes in her plan is what I'm trying to say. I have a lot of questions on how she's doing this. And uh, just to give some credit to a listener named Abby who wrote in to us, uh, Abby writes, is it a coincidence that both of Lena's test subjects are called Adam and Eve? So Adam was the the guy she signs murdered. And, oh. Eve, and Eve, of course, is Eve Tessmacher. And Abby says, it does seem like she's trying to play the role of God, but it's quite possible she is the snake. So I thought that was a great, um, great kind of connection to what I thought about Lena in terms of her playing God in this episode. Um, so I think that's a great point, Adam and Eve. That that's actually um, a, a good point, a good connection there. But yeah, I have a lot of, ooh, Lena. I love, I love sort of the exploration of evil Lena. But this is this just seems like a bad plan. It's just such a bad plan. She's like, I will. I'm going to fix people. People aren't great and I'm tired of them. And my, uh, my only friend is this little tabletop robot. <laughs> and they're all going to be as perfect as hope. And uh, I mean, listen, your tabletop, I love hope. Love her. <laughs> she, maybe before you fix humanity, you might uh, like look at the fact that your tabletop robot is real, like homicidal. Like, <laughs> Like, like perfect, her perfect, um, like program already wants her to kill Supergirl. Like, I don't, I don't know how she's, she's like, I'm going to improve humanity. But humanity is too mean and hope is like, yes, should we kill humanity? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, Jesus, hope. No, (laughs) we talked about this. Well, she asks hope, hope, could you hurt someone? And hope says, I am incapable of causing pain. It is against my prime directive. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess hope is incapable of causing pain, but she definitely wants pain caused to people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I guess there is a difference there. But Lena calls hope the very image of perfection. Uh, So I think that that's really interesting that she sees this, uh, this robot, this programmable software to to be what is flawless and perfect and full of morality and empathy and logic uh so i i just i don't know 
I don't know if Lena is going to experiment with Hope slash Eve and if she decides that this is a good way to go about things, is she going to put artificial t- intelligence into other people? Is that is that what her plan is going to inevitably try to try to end up? Is that why she needs Obsidian North because of the the contact lenses? Is Lena going to use that contact lens technology and combine that with her her experimental getting rid of flaws and having everyone wear those contact lenses so they're half human human and half robot. Like, I don't know where this plan is going um, and what she decides she's going to be doing with this. I feel like she didn't really think this one through <laughs> so much. I, I Listen, we've all done things when we're mad is the thing. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I'm, like, kind of rude to people sometimes you, you know, hijack somebody's brain and put your, you know, murder computer in there. Things happen, (laughs) Lena. It's okay. But, like, you might want to workshop that idea a little bit before you roll that out. Like, you might want to, like, just run it by somebody. Like, hey, I was thinking about, like, fixing humanity by uh, putting my my murder bot into somebody's head. (laughs) And then, like, maybe they'll... They'd be like, hey, have you ever thought about not doing that <laughs> and doing something completely different instead? <laughs> yeah, Hope says that her uh, that Lena's project uh, means do no harm. But I think what Lena is probably wanting to do might cause people harm, taking away their humanity, taking away their uh, ability to think freely, to have free will. Uh, I think that is actually pretty harmful. So I... I like the idea of Evil Lena, but I'm going to be honest, she scared me a little bit. Yeah, I felt like she was uh, not not quite thinking things through, maybe still a little mad. You don't make the best decisions when you're mad. You know, it's that thing where it's like you're going to write somebody a really mean email and they, people give you the advice to like maybe like take a walk or like sleep on it for a night. I think that this was her first draft of this idea and she should have slept on it for a night. She should have written that email and then deleted it. Write the angry email and then you don't send it. But instead she was like, I'm going to write that angry email and then I'm going to to everyone's brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like, I did think it was a good bit of writing that she took, she she kidnapped the woman who betrayed her in a very serious, dramatic way in season four, where Eve turned against her and joined Lex, put a gun in her face, and had lied to her for so long Eve, Eve really, I mean, Kara, she feels betrayed by Kara, but I think Eve really was a big deal to her because she really confided in Eve and she thought Eve was on her side. And then when she turned, that was a big deal. So I think it's, it's a really good storytelling choice to have this woman who betrayed Lena to be the one who is now going to be the most loyal to her. Eve even tells Lena, I would be the most loyal to you if you let me live. So Lena is going to keep Eve alive and Eve is going to be loyal to her, but only because basically Lena's making her be loyal. And I thought it was a really, uh, really good touch to have Lena looking for those parts of her 
Eve's brain to see if it would, you know, prove that that Eve had the capability to be loyal to her. So that there's aspects of that that I really like in terms of the writing. Lena could have experimented on anybody, but the fact that she chose Eve for this. I thought was a really clever choice. Yeah, she's definitely still pretty mad at Eve. Uh, and I kind of felt for Eve stuck in that in that room trying to sort of talk her way out of the situation. And then when she realizes that, like, kind of what Lena was doing, she was real upset. I really, really enjoyed that. Because even, even in the dialogue, it was really, uh, really well written. So Lena says, Eve, meet Hope. You two are going to be working closely together. You know, things like that. I really like those play. <laughs> I like those uh, uh, plays on dialogue and, um, and, and foreshadowing. I really in, in, enjoy a lot of that stuff. So the, the way that they revealed that over the course of the episode, I thought was really well done. It's so over the top. It's just like so over the top that Eve would become, <laughs> would become hope. It's, uh, amazing. This could be a, a great way to show what would happen if Eve was really, really loyal to Lena and, and just to see what hope, like you said, what hope might do in a human body, I think is really uh, a little bit concerning because hope does have some murderous tendencies. But this this is going to be, I'm, I look forward to whatever this is. It was a little over the top, and I did laugh uncontrollably when I saw it happen, and sometimes I think the show is unintentionally hilarious, so I I, I enjoyed that reveal immensely. Um, I guess we could also uh, briefly talk about Andre- Andrea Rojas and Obsidian North, because what I wanted to bring up was the fact that it looks like Andrea... Ugh, Andrea Rojas has removed the wall of monitors in Cat Grant I know. slash James Olson's office. And I'm very upset about it. I don't even recognize James's home anymore. What is she doing? She's completely renovated that office. She has redecorated that uh, James's office slash home. <laughs> I don't even think he would recognize it anymore. I am very upset about this. I cannot imagine the betrayal he feels right now. <laughs> I mean, if I feel that way, he must be devastated. I mean, it's like if somebody came in and just bulldozed your house to the ground. That's what that must be like for him. Uh, just dev- devastating. And not only did she remove, she changed the desk uh, slash James's home. She removed the wall of monitors, took all those monitors down. I don't know what she's watching TV on. How does she watch TV? I don't know. Uh, she's also installed a staircase in the back of that office so she can just walk downstairs, go to Obsidian North. I mean, clearly that is a good idea. I mean, that way you can do two jobs at once. Yeah. But that that's just a lot of change for me. I'm overwhelmed by all this uh, renovation and change in the set decoration so i'm just gonna need i'm gonna need a week to get used to this yeah it's 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 a little bit much i did think that the um the stairs idea was clever i was like listen props props where they're deserved that's pretty smart i mean it's gonna save you some time going back and forth (laughs) she is running two businesses at once so i guess it does make sense for her but i am a little worried about andrea uh, uh, in addition to being very upset with her on one end for changing everything that I love, 
Uh, she has also threatened Lena, which I thought might put Andrea uh, uh, in some danger because she tells Lena, keep screwing with me and you won't just owe me a story. You'll be the story. And I just thought... Do you really want to say that to Lena Luther, who has just put artificial intelligence into uh, a human woman? <laughs> I really, I, do you you don't know who you're messing with. Lena Luther, I just can't imagine she's going to let that threat go. Like, historically speaking, it doesn't tend to work out for people who threaten Lena Luther. <laughs> yeah. She's going to get really drunk and put on her leather jacket and then watch out because it's it's a uh, shooting time for Lena. <laughs> What if Hope ends up being like the like the like angel or demon on her shoulder where like like Eve is like Hope don't do it and all of a sudden Hope comes out and so she's like Lena put on the leather <laughs> <laughs> It I think I think it's going to it's going to get bad for Andrea Rojas. I don't think it's going to go well for her uh, at the end of the season cuz she is now threatening Lena Luther. So they're uh their rivalry has ramped up just in episode two, so I can't imagine where this is going to go from here. Um, speaking of rivalries, possibly, uh, we got a little more information about uh, John Jones and his brother. So what did you think about the Martian aspects of this episode? Yeah, I thought they were super interesting. I thought it was interesting to see why he didn't remember having a brother. And that the, this whole sort of part of his memory was walled off. And it seems like he, even though he remembered some more about his brother, he still doesn't really remember, like, everything. He still has gaps in his memory. How do you feel about another mind wipe this season? <sighs> this is basically what this is. It's his mind had been wiped. Yeah, that's a good point. I Yeah, they. I feel like... To be fair, they go to that well too much, I think. <laughs> I think that they go to that well um, so much that it's amazing that there's still water left in that well. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, in that, when when you put it that way, uh, yeah, that I'm not super thrilled about. I liked the mystery of getting into Jean's mind and, and the, the books on the shelf and... and all the clues that we had to get in order to figure everything out. I really enjoyed that. But then when I realized, you know, this was, this was just another mind wipe, I was like, ah, that's too soon. Not after what? Not after uh, Take the Grass last season. I just, I just can't oh, do it anymore. Take the grass! <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. He could have at least thrown a fistful of grass at somebody. <laughs> I mean, it, you could have at least done that. It would fix uh, everyone's problems. Maybe that's all Lena needed to do. She didn't need to experiment on Eve. She just needed to take that grass. I'm sure it could work for her, maybe somehow. Uh, but yeah, so I did like the... Uh, connecting the dots for Jean. And I liked the uh, way they used Kelly in this episode because Kelly did help Jean work through some of those memories. I, I don't know that I necessarily buy that she's so tech-savvy so quickly. Maybe they had an Obsidian North... Uh, set of you know training classes where they taught her how to work all this technology this is kind of my problem with the kelly character so far is that it feels like she's whatever the story needs her to be at that specific moment so last season because they were telling a story about james like 
um, dealing with his trauma. She needed to be sort of like the psychiatrist um, person. And now this season, because they're telling a story about technology, now suddenly Kelly is a tech wizard, even though she was introduced as being somebody who worked in like the psychological or, you know, psychiatrist and like, um, you know, military background and, and no, no part of that background had anything to do with technology. And then this week, like episode two of the season, she's already like, all right, let's take a deep dive into your mind using this technology. And I was like, Whoa, hold on a minute, black mirror. When did you, when did you gain these skills? It's just, I feel like the writing for her is just whatever it needs to be, like, to take the story from point A to point B. And it's really doing a disservice to her character because I don't really, like, have a good feel. Like, yeah, sure, Alex almost killed her with blueberries, but, like, I have I no, I, like, I don't blame her. I have no idea what Kelly's deal is. Yeah, uh, maybe this is just a problem with Olsen's, <laughs> you know, because that, that happens with James, too. It's true. Well, I will say, and this is probably not the right exact right time to talk about it, but when they had that walk and talk scene between and James, where he said, uh, "Like I like I had an offer to to run for a Senate seat, and I also had an offer to work at the Smithsonian." I literally laughed hysterically out loud because <laughs> we had that conversation last week, where I was like, "Who knows? James could literally be anywhere because his character has like no moorings. Like the, he could end up being you know, like a." a clown next episode and I would completely buy it because they have no idea what to do with him. And then in this episode, he was like, I can literally be whatever. It doesn't even matter. And I was like, well, at least you're acknowledging it. Well, I got curious because he said something about the, the media director of the, the Smithsonian. And I was like, is that a thing? Is that an actual job? So I actually went and Googled uh, media director of the Smithsonian. And then I pulled up, uh, uh, a web page that had a whole bunch of different uh, job descriptions. And I was like, I don't think that's really a thing. There's a lot of people involved in media with the Smithsonian, but I don't know if this is an actual thing. Um, but yeah, so the James thing is funny to me because when he's having that conversation with Kara where he says, yeah, some people have approached me about wanting to be a senator. She immediately jumps to, oh, you're going to be in Washington, D.C. And I just thought, well, how did, how did you jump to that conclusion? There are state senators. He might, he yeah, might run exactly. for state senate. So you're just assuming he's going to go to, to Washington, D.C. So I don't know. I just... Uh, I feel like people don't put a, enough respect on state state senators. They're important too. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that that aspect of the James character is a little silly. I mean, he's always been a little silly in that regard that he could do whatever they wanted him to do. But yeah, they're doing that a little bit with Kelly. I can buy her as the character who can help Jean reconnect his memories. Because that is sort of in the realm of uh, psychological job descriptions. I get that. But, um, and especially like her being someone who is a therapist working with Jean, who is a character who uh, has a lot of mind powers and uh, mind capabilities and a lot of things that Martians deal with, like 
you know, kind of a hive mind situation. I think that's kind of a cool pairing in terms of their what they can bring to each other as characters. But the whole like, oh, we got to turn it up to 80 biohertz or whatever. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. yeah, like I, I had no, I had no with her being the person that they turn to for like psycho like psychological issues like oh he needs to un you know he needs to dive into his memories you would would think yeah of course kelly's the person you would go to because she helped james with the memory stuff last season but then it was like okay turn up the dial to like like you said and it was like wait um, kelly's a tech wizard now i mean maybe maybe in the first like week of her job at obsidian north Andre Rojas <laughs> had her in these training sessions and she learned about all the technology that they can work with and they've been doing experiments. So maybe she's like really familiar with it now. Uh, maybe it maybe it's very easy to use and she's uh, she's just become really good at it within the first week of her job. Guys, even a beginner can use this. <laughs> Let me show you how. I'm only going to be in your mind. <laughs> I mean, they they are using contacts uh, to do virtual reality. So the technology has progressed beyond our capability in the real world. So uh, I guess we just have to go with it. But uh, I, I did like the exploration of Jean's memories and... Uh, to know that there is still more mystery that we don't know that there is something going on uh, with Jean trying to rebuild those memories of of Malefic. and we we I think I think they did pronounce it as Malefic. Yeah, I think they did too in the episode. It wasn't Ma'alafak, uh, which I was really <laughs> hoping it was going to be, so I could say that for the rest of the season. But I think they pronounced it as Malefic. Uh, but we found out that he was a traitor, that uh, he poisoned them with Haranmir's curse, that he went before the High Council, and that he was sent to the Phantom Zone. And we talked about it a little bit last week about why they are able to send people into the Phantom Zone. And I'm still a little confused about that because the Phantom Zone is traditionally only associated with the Elves. Um, I think Jorel is typically the person in the stories who creates the phantom zone so yeah it is weird that like the martians have access to the phantom zone so i i still think that's a little strange but i guess i'll go with it is the phantom zone like just like an all-access prison that like anyone can use if they like ask nicely like what yeah because last week we had the uh the information that jean put midnight into the phantom zone but this week we also found out that they put uh malefic into the phantom zone so it seems to be more of a one-off thing like midnight wasn't just an accident like they did have access to the phantom zone somehow i i don't know i guess it is a just a generic thing that anybody can use it's not necessarily just for kryptonian prisoners it's for everybody i guess but yeah so i did like the the malfact aspect of this episode the only thing though i mean the the thing i loved most about it was that he at one point was literally a fly on the wall i enjoyed that that was fair <laughs> that was a good touch uh, but I also was very confused about why he was talking to himself in the mirror. Yeah, I thought that was really strange. I did not understand what was happening there. Because I couldn't work out if he was 
talking to someone else? Yeah, was he talking to someone else? Because how could he be himself and then shape shit? Because I guess when he's looking into the mirror, he's shape shifting into whoever that is in the reflection. But how is he the different shape in the mirror and also himself at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I understand the, the need for it so that he can have someone to talk to, but that, that's really pushing it, I think. Because I just, <laughs> I could not understand that. That was that was a little too much for me. So, uh, But I did like the way he, he shape-shifted uh, throughout this episode. And I guess we could talk about the big fight between Supergirl and and Malefic as Alex. What did what did you think about all that? About how uh, Alex is uh, shoved into the I guess the bathroom in Alex's apartment, and uh, he uh, makes sure that Kelly. Well, Kelly goes up on the roof, and then there are two Kellys, and Alex has to make a choice. What did you think about all of that? Yeah, I thought that the Supergirl Alex fight was pretty cool, um, even though it wasn't obviously it wasn't Alex, um, and. You know, sometimes I kind of forget that Alex is human because Alex is so cool. <laughs> but for for a second there, I was like, oh, no, because like Alex is up against a Martian and she had like no backup and like no weapon. She didn't have her, her alien gun. She didn't have her alien. If only she had her alien gun with her. I mean, that's at least something. It just seemed like she was using a, a regular old gun. It's like, ah, is that really going to do anything against a Martian? Yeah. I didn't feel like probably not. <laughs> I mean, I guess she did shoot Malefic. Yeah, she did. That's true. But yeah, I was uh, so uh, uh, for a second, I was really nervous for Alex. I was like, oh, no, like what's going to happen? Um, but I, I did. I think that's one of the cool things about the idea of having Malefic in this season is that like the idea can be anybody. So you can have a, a Supergirl Alex fight without having Alex say, you know, like, mind controlled or something like that um because not really alex yeah uh i really enjoyed that because alex actually got to or look like alex was flying and i thought that was pretty fun and she threw a or she slash he i guess because it's malefic uh, at the same time uh she, she threw a truck at supergirl and i was like huh that's pretty cool to see alex throw a truck uh, so even though it wasn't Alex, it was kind of visually interesting to see Kyler Lee do some of that stuff. And she, and she, I, you know, I guess Kyler and Melissa had a lot of fun doing that. Um, it is sad to see when the sisters fight each other, but uh, it was uh, it was entertaining to watch for sure. Um, and I, I did think it was a nice tie-in to the beginning of the episode with Kelly and Alex and the whole blueberry fiasco with the allergies and alex all throughout this week's episode wondering you know do i know kelly well enough to uh, have this relationship you know have i gone through things too quickly and there at the end of the episode she is able to decide which one is the real kelly and i thought that was a good payoff to uh, the beginning of the episode uh, from when that was first introduced. So I know we've talked about how sometimes these relationships feel a little too rushed. Uh, do you think that was the case in this episode? Because even Alex seemed to question how she felt so strongly about Alex so quickly. I'm not sure that like hanging a, 
a light over top of the issue and being like, <laughs> we see it actually addresses the, the, it, the issue. <laughs> like I, I feel like they were like, Oh no, I think we, we, you know, accelerated cast all the, you know, building up this relationship part. So instead we're just going to like tell the audience, we know that, but, and just doing what we're doing. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I felt like at least they acknowledged on the show that the Alex and Kelly thing had gone a little fast. Um, because, you know, when we when we left them last season, I think they had, like, just kissed. They were just starting to get together. And when we picked them up this season, they're, like, a well-established couple. And it's kind of like, well, it feels like we skimmed past a lot of really fun storytelling things about, you know, them becoming a couple and, you know, figuring each other out and all that stuff. Or, you know, now they're like settled down. It's just, I don't know. I feel like the, a lot of these shows, but especially Supergirl has that problem of like skimming right past the stuff that I usually find in storytelling to be like the compelling part of like the relationships, like the sort of the, there's not a lot of will they won't they on these like superhero CW superhero shows. So I don't know why I'm not like more used to it by now, but I just felt like the, um, the Alex and uh, Maggie relationship was built up in like, just comparing it was built up so much better than like this, where it just kind of felt like she got thrown together with some, and even the Alex Maggie stuff was really fast, uh, faster than that I would have liked. But at least with Alex and Maggie, there was some buildup to it. But yeah, some of these relationships go a little too quickly for me. Even the Brainy Nia stuff in this episode, which was honestly very cute. I mean, Brainy was was cracking me up. I mean, at the end when he decides to go all. Mike Myers from So I Married an Axe Murderer. That made me so happy. If you've never seen So I Married an Axe Murderer, you have to watch it. It's one of the greatest cinematic comedies of all time. It's one of my faves. You should watch it if you've never watched it. But I I loved that he was going over the top with all these romantic gestures. But at the same time, I'm getting a little bored with Brainy and Nia because... They're already together, and they're already an established couple, and I don't see where they go from here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that they're doing cute things, but it's not... How is that progressing their relationship at all? I don't know. I just... I feel like it's really stagnant for me. It's like I don't, I, I don't have any reason to get further um, invested in them. The The scenes were, were cute and everything, but I just... I don't know, some, some of the relationship scenes in this episode, ugh, I was just kind of, I, I kind of didn't care, to be totally honest. I think structurally and writing-wise, it was a good comparison to have both of those relationships as a reflection of each other and, ha- and uh, having Alex and Brainy talking about it. I think that was good for those characters, but I just, I don't know, I wasn't into it. I didn't mind the, uh, the Brainy and Nia stuff as much just because at least last season was sort of like a slow burn buildup. Although I will agree, like not enough, like just having two characters in occasional scenes with each other where they seem like they might like each other. And then like 
progressing them at the end of the season to be like, I love you does feel a little bit rushed, but I felt like it was a little bit more than what we got with Ash and Kelly. But like, so I felt like I was a little bit less like, okay, well this feels forced than I was with them. But um, I do agree. I feel like they have to find some like new shades of, I, and I, I wish we got to see them sort of like in the beginning stages of relation. Like why does no beginning stages of relationships on these shows. It's just all, it just goes from like, I kind of like you two were dating now. (laughs) I mean, I will agree that Brainy and Nia were handled a little bit better, but I I don't know. I just feel like I'm stagnant with them. I did find the Carl Williams stuff more interesting. And I have, it feels like a big, like, uh, like it, it, it almost feels like um, they're trying to really hit it so hard because they want to develop William as a love interest. It, it feels like that's where they're going with this because for some reason with Kara, they only want to put her with guys that she's going to have like old married banter with. You love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like that's the only way they want to go to. Where the only way they want to go with for Kara, which is fine. Um, I, I sort of like the the butting of heads that Kara has uh, gone up with against. I don't think I said that right. Gone up against <laughs> William with. I, I do think that that dynamic is uh, much more fascinating to watch because it's something that they're going to have to work through. Although I think having this random, you know, uh, made up character. <sighs> I would rather something more for Kara, but uh, it does seem like they are setting him up to be a love interest. And I think there's something more interesting there because A, it is a slower burn and B, there's a lot more shades to that character. And we did see that at the end of the episode, although I do think it's a little, it's a little too over the top that they're like, oh, he goes and serves dinner to the homeless see he's not all that bad of a guy i literally started laughing hysterically because there's no reason for that scene to even exist in this episode i went what's happening when that <laughs> like i i turned beyond today i was like why why is this here it's just you're right and that was and that was the exact moment where i was like oh like i was kind of afraid that this like banter thing was leading to a like love interest and now i know it is like because they're like listen he seems like a bad guy but really he cares like uh okay (laughs) fine they don't want you to think they're putting Kara into a relationship with a bad guy so they put that in there. And I think there's there's got to be a better way to have done that because it just and I I when I lived in Atlanta, I served uh, dinner and breakfast to people who, you know, lived on the street who were who were homeless to, to women and children. And so that's not to brag on myself because that's not something I want to do. But I'm, not, I'm saying I'm not downplaying people who do that because that is something that I think is very worthwhile to do. I just think that's very stereotypical of trying to find something uh, to to show that someone is a good character um, just to make you like them. So I thought that was a little over the top. Uh, but I thought that their dynamic was much more interesting to watch because they weren't so lovey-dovey. They did fight a little bit. 
And I like that Kara is standing her ground and she's telling him, hey, I'm going to be somebody of integrity and I'm going to do my job and I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this right. So I really like that she is standing up for herself, that she's not a quitter, that she is um, uh, she's very aware that he has the capability of undermining her and stealing her stories, but she's going to do things the right way and she's going to do them well. And I like seeing that side of Kara. So if if this William character is the character who's going to get that out of her, uh, I'm I'm good to go with that. Uh, but yeah, so the the ending reveal I I thought was a little cheesy, but I'm willing to see where it goes from here. I guess. Yeah, I agree. I, so I also. I liked I liked seeing a more like a car who took her job at all, even remotely serious. But that was a, <laughs> a breath of fresh air. But I literally could not stop laughing every time she got like really offended that when uh, anybody suggested that she should either show up for work or actually do her job. <laughs> like it was just the funniest. And like <laughs> she, she, she gets really mad. Like, how dare you not cover for me when I take off in the middle of the day? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't, ha- he's, he's at work. You get that, right? Like you just <laughs> bounced off to who knows where and he's there still working. Like you can't, you're not the offended party here. Like the whole time she was like, when she shows, the, uh, I think Nia calls. She's like, Andreas is uh, is really serious about you being in on time, and she comes in immediately in a huff, like, "Oh, I have to be in on time." It's like, <laughs> yeah, so does so does most people, Cara. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> like, Cara's work ethic is like the worst I've seen on television. It's like there was a, a character on Pretty Little Liars named Emily who would like never show up for any of her jobs, and I always used to joke like, "How." I wish she employed cars is maybe worse than that like she gets actively offended when you suggest she do her job i will defend Kara here because at the end of the episode not only does she finish her assignments she sends andrea 11 pitches uh, of stories for the meeting is scheduled for the next day and she made sure to put eye grabbing headlines and image options with those so she did go over her expected uh assignments to do something more that was something like if this storyline sort of pushes card to actually care a little bit more about her work situation i am all for it because i do feel like she's super she's super rah-rah into journalism until like something in the storyline goes a different way and then she will not show up for her job like large stretches at a time so i think with somebody who is unlike james who isn't going to be like uh no we're be- we're better you can do whatever you want like somebody who's like a like an actual boss and as actually going to hold her feet to the fire i think that's going to be really interesting and uh while i would prefer it to be cat grant because i miss cat grant so much i mean at least andreas is like hey you can't just not show up for work that's not cool yeah and i think this would have been this would have been a better season to reward Kara with a pulitzer by the end of it yes so in my mind you have Kara really really work and work and work and work and work for it and then give her the pulitzer not give her the pulitzer and then teach her how to do her job and have good work ethic <laughs> that seems backwards to me um but yeah i do like this more uh dedicated 
to her job, Cara Danvers. Uh, I like that very much. I was a little confused because they made they made a big deal of Cara and William looking at pictures on monitors, and they didn't explain the one that Cara was looking at at yeah. all. There's a, a man in a blue suit jacket talking to a woman in a purple dress. Have no idea who those people are. Weren't the ones for Cara, like, she had to do an assignment where she was covering the fact at her own Pulitzer yes, award she, ceremony. She, yes. So I thought that that was, I thought that those were pictures of like guests at, at the Pulitzer awards. Well, okay. So then basically Kara was uh, doing boardroom or ballroom for her. She was. <laughs> we uh, called it. So we have already done her job for her. Uh, I don't think she knows that. You're welcome, Cara. You're welcome. Uh, so yes, so that seems right because one of her her article assignments was uh, fashion related. So okay, yeah. Andrea assigns Cara to the style beat. Yeah, so that makes sense. But the William one, the William one was never explained whatsoever. <laughs> he was looking at pictures of Andrea Rojas and somebody named Dr. Niles Gerard. So I'm guessing that is a plot point that they have set up in this episode that we will come back to. I don't think Niles Gerard is a DC Comics character. I could not find anything on him. But they look like they're maybe having a squabble. Uh, Andrea is doing a lot of finger pointing at him. So uh, there, there must be something there that uh, William is looking into. So I'm very curious about all of this, uh, learning more about the stories that they're investigating. And, and I'm guessing that at some point, Cara and William will have to work together on a story. And that could be interesting. Um, now, that, now that I think more about it, it seems like they're setting them up more as a Lois and Clark kind of a thing. Like early Terry Hatcher, Dean Kane, where they didn't like each other, but sometimes they had to work together kind of thing. So it's it seems like they're they're kind of going that same route. So I could I could be into it, but I don't know. Yeah, I could, I could get on board with that. I guess. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be open minded about it to see how <laughs> it goes. Because now that we know that William's not a bad guy, because he you know he, <laughs> he goes to those. Because he goes in the soup kitchen and puts on an apron. Also, how many how many times did they mention his wife in this episode? I kept waiting for him to be like, "I'm divorced." Yeah, they did mention it because our our, our good buddy Franklin, who uh, just a reminder is uh, the only confirmed sleeper under a desk at Catco. <laughs> um, he came back <laughs> in this. Uh, he came back in this episode uh, calling out. Uh, William for saying that uh, he didn't have any legal pads when uh, William's wife was a lawyer and he should have already had them. So it seems like there's something maybe going on with William's wife and we have, spoiler alert, we might have some feedback about that. There's a theory there. Mm. Um, And then Cara also mentions that she feels bad for William's wife because she's stuck with him. Yeah, it just felt like it it felt like a lot of people being like, remember, he's married, but is he? <laughs> like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I get it. Remember that there's something going on with his wife. That will come Don't back later. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, to be determined with William. 
Um, and so speaking of boardroom or ballroom. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? So Abby sent us some links from Worn on TV of some clothing from this episode, uh, Lena's black frill blouse and Kara's dress. So Morgan, do you have any thoughts on either either one of these uh, looks from this episode? So I'm not a big fan of Kara's like, dre- like brown peplum dress. I just feel like it's a little bit like... I don't know. The color is a little too samesies, and that peplum on the skirt is like just a really weird placement where like the panel just kind of looks like I don't I don't really know. It's it's a very strange placement for that like front panel. But then I scrolled down on Worn on TV and I saw that it is a um, it's at Neiman Marcus if you would like to purchase it for thousand four hundred and twenty dollars. And I thought, holy cow, that's a lot of money. That is. Man, Car is doing well. <laughs> Car is living large. Is like burning through that. I just pulse her money. <laughs> <laughs> Car is taking her stack of cash and lighting it on fire at this point. So <laughs> I know that we we're not supposed to assume that the characters are spending the same amount as the actual outfit, but. Boy, I would not pay that for that. <laughs> no, I yeah, I mean, I like that dress okay, but not for fourteen hundred dollars. I don't like it that much. Holy cow! Oh man! Wow! Car is dressing more expensive than Lena. Her uh, her black floral blouse is only uh is only one hundred twenty nine dollars at Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lena has to pay for her new. Uh, fix humanity experiment. So she's cutting back on her wardrobe. She's got to live lean right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I've I've been enjoying Kara's wardrobe uh, this season so far. She's been wearing a lot of dresses, which I think is really interesting because she's all about the pants on the Supergirl side. But That's she's true. But she's wearing, and now Kara would also at Catco wear a lot of skirts, which I always thought was kind of a, a almost seemingly a, a little inside joke that she would wear the skirts at work, and then that would somehow uh, hide her identity as Supergirl, who also wore <laughs> a skirt. I just always thought that was <laughs> kind of a, a funny little. Uh, gag they had going on, but uh, yeah, Kara's wearing a lot of dresses. I guess it does make her a little more grown up looking. Some of these more sophisticated dresses that she's been wearing this season. So I, I do. She looks, she looks a little more professional. Yeah, she definitely does look put together. So uh, she's, she's real. I mean, she's definitely a lot more professional at a, a fourteen hundred dollar dress. A lot more. Uh, but yeah, so Lena, Lena's really cutting back so she can, she can pay for her, <laughs> uh, playing God, uh, project that she's got going on. I do have to say once again, I love that Lena is matching her lipstick to her vest. <laughs> uh, she's, she, you know, when she's fixing humanity, that's a big job. You're gonna want to keep a little bit warm in the midsection. So you're gonna want to <laughs> put on a good vest. Uh, I feel like that the the floral blouse would actually be way too much by itself, but with that like red vest on there, it says like 
I'm powerful. I'm not that sure about what I'm doing about <laughs> for humanity. I'm not like shoulders out short. In fact, I'm like putting several. La- I feel like that should be her first warning sign. She's putting several layers on top of her shoulders. Like that is that is not a, a Lena that is sure about her actions. That is a Lena who has some some amount of of self doubt. <laughs> And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Well, other than that, uh, what were your overall thoughts on A Stranger Beside Me, which is, uh, it seems to be based on a book about Ted Bundy? It sure is. Uh, my, We were watching the, the episode last night. My fiance paused it and and said, it's Stranger Beside Me. It's that book you read on serial killers. And I turned to him and I yelled, Ted Bundy! Uh, so <laughs> as you can tell, I, I am a terrifying person to be with. Uh, <laughs> it, Stranger Beside Me is a is a, the book that Anne Rule wrote about Ted Bundy. It is a um, truly wild ride if you are looking for some Halloween reading. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty creepy stuff. Um, obviously, it, it refers to the fact that like... Alex and, and Kelly and, and Nia and Brainy and even um, Kara and William don't really know each other that well um, or are making assumptions about each other um, that turn out to not be true. Uh, so, I, I mean, I like thematically, I like it also, you know, because I'm a weird person who is super fascinated by like weird serial killer <laughs> trivia I was also like, cool. <laughs> but I thought the episode overall, I thought it was pretty good. The, the relationship stuff was a little bit, uh, it was a little heavy for me in this one. They, I feel like we could have gotten those storylines maybe spread over, you know, a couple of episodes. So each one had sort of its own individual moments. But um, I thought that it, it, it sort of set up the... Um, the Lena stuff so great. Like I, I don't know that any episode where Eve Tessmacher becomes a, a kind of an evil robot is going to be a, a negative episode in my book. <laughs> and I thought that the, um, <laughs> I thought that they set up the stuff with John's brother pretty interestingly. Like I, I want to know storyline's going to go. And, and again, hope is now in corporeal form so i just i can't wait to see what she's gonna get into next like can you imagine her just like bumping into like Kara, and she's like eve i didn't know you were back and she's like yes it is me eve (laughs) (laughs) i like i like science (laughs) okay or (laughs) how have you been I like science. And then she just kind of backs out of the room. <laughs> I want to see you learn how to become a human being. Like I just, I, I mean, I meant uh, hope. I, I want so much for hope. Really? <laughs> what, what if she learns that the real, the, the real message of the season is that humans can be good despite our flaws. I mean, I keep thinking that hope is going to be the ultimate villain of the season, but what if by putting her in 
human form, she like the humanity just overtakes all of the robot. So like <laughs> in the beginning of the season, she's like really like logical and helping Lena out with her science experiments. And like by the end of the season, Lena is like, I really need your help right now. And she's like, I can't. I'm eating cookie dough and watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I've ruined this perfect robot. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, Lena. I have learned to love. <laughs> I think that is a potential ending for the season. Uh, I think that is very, very possible. I, uh, I was not crazy about a lot of the relationship stuff in this. I kind of just went with it because it was part of the episode. Uh, but I did think that the ending with the AI going into Eve Tessmacher's brain made up for everything that I was kind of <laughs> about. That it made me so excited about where things were going uh, that that twist has happened. So um, I really enjoyed that. And I, and I liked learning more about... Eve's background with Leviathan, uh, although I was a little confused because she says that Leviathan recruited her when she was 16 years old, which was the same year that her parents died, and she had so much college debt that Leviathan said they could fix everything, and that's how she got sucked into them. So did Eve go to college when she was 16 years old? I think she did. I I, I mean, she was super smart. That's true. She was very so, smart. So I feel like, yeah, I caught that right away, too. I was like, wait a minute. That's not the usual age you go to college. Yeah, I guess she was just super smart and she went early. So I, I did like getting to learn more about Eve in this episode. So I think that the Eve, Hope, Lena stuff was probably the most I enjoyed this week's episode. But I also did enjoy parts of the, the car aspect of it as well. And I'm excited to see where that goes for her. So uh, pretty good episode uh, for Stranger Beside Me. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion on this episode, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about it. Our first tweet is from at DJ Ritter, who says, I love Lena and and Andrea becoming uh, adversaries. Jean's storyline is so compelling and intriguing. I love them giving Kelly a role beyond being a love interest. Fake Alex Supergirl fight has replaced Supergirl vs. Rain as my favorite battle. I bet Kyler and Melissa had fun filming it. Um, at Electra WWF said, Lena, once you've kidnapped a woman and replaced her mind with your AI, you can no longer consider yourself a good guy. <laughs> Just saying. Here's a question. If Brainy is an organic AI hybrid, does that mean Lena just created a human version of a Brainiac? That oh. may not end well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. It's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. What if Brainy is like... I don't know. I've been really bonded with Eve lately. <laughs> and Eve is like, I have too. <laughs> Brady's like, there's just something so comforting about Eve. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what. I'm just a normal person. <laughs> uh, um, at Kenny Curley said, not as great as the season premiere, but I still enjoyed it. 
at Patty Mello 20 said, I don't know how I feel about Lena putting hope in Eve's brain. It's not like her. It's something that Lex would do. I know she's supposed to cross some lines this season, but this feels a little too much. Do you think Eve is gone for good? Also, would you vote for James? No, I think there's probably going to be some Eve still in there. And no, I don't think I would vote for James. Would you, Morgan? Would would I, I don't what would his platform be if his platform was uh turtle boys for all then absolutely, <laughs> absolutely I would vote for James <laughs> I just think James doesn't really know what he wants to do I, I think he would be a really flighty candidate who would just go wherever the wind took him like I said James could literally be anything I'm not sure that's what I want specifically in in a in a elected representative but you know you never know maybe maybe he gets a maybe he gets a platform and really sticks to it for one to two episodes (laughs) (laughs) um at abigail one two zero six zero three said love the relationship between alex and kelly and brainy and nia i think lena is starting to lose it honestly i still love her but i wonder how long it will take until everyone realizes something is off with her um, at Good Girl Gone Gay said, this episode was scary, but in a good way. I had several heart attacks, came to the conclusion I fiercely dislike Andrea Rojas, and looking forward to freaking out about whoever Malefic will be impersonating next. Um, at SL Fricky said, was Carr's fashion piece just going to be pants, pants, pants uh, for 2,000 <laughs> words? <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, were they hinting that Jimmy is going to run in the special election as long as he kisses a radioactive turtle baby during his campaign? <laughs> oh, what a good origin story. A turtle baby. <laughs> so SL Fricky has sa- says, hope. Uh, um Helpful organizer possessing Eve, <laughs> which is really good. Um, at Mark HB PWM says, do you think that the thing we saw in the small of Car's back on her belt during the fight with Alex is her glasses case? Yeah, so there does seem to be something uh, a little bigger there in the back of the belt. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. I don't think we know for sure, but yeah, why not? I feel like that's as good an explanation as any. Let's do it. <laughs> what else would you put back there? I don't know. Canon, accept it. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Rachel Joy 23 said, does hope being inside Eve now mean that Carrie Walgren won't voice hope in more episodes? Also, this time uh, with the Kelly falling off a building went way better than the last time that happened. Oh, too soon. Too soon, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Kelly, never forget. This time, Supergirl could save a Kelly. (laughs) Uh, We see how that goes. Uh, Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. uh, Carrie Walger not voicing Hope anymore because she did have that great robotic voice. And also, I believe she is... The voice of Saturn Girl in the Legion of Superheroes cartoon. So it's it's neat to have that DC Comics connection with uh, Carrie or Kari Walgren. Uh, so I am going to miss her now that she's not going to be the voice of Hope anymore. Uh, well, Shang sent us an email asking, uh, when and how did Kelly find out Kara was Supergirl? Uh, I don't know about you, Morgan, but I don't think she knows. I don't think she knows. 
man, what 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 disrespect that would be to Lena if, if Kelly already knew. <laughs> like, like all you have to do to know about her secret is like date her sister for a couple of weeks. She knows. I think that Jean is Martian Manhunter because. Jean has talked about the Martian stuff in his brain. So I think she knows that he's Martian Manhunter, but I don't know that she knows Kara is Supergirl. Yeah, I don't think she does, but also maybe she does. Because she even told Jean when the, the big fight happened at the end, she said, why is Alex fighting Supergirl? Instead of, why is Alex fighting fighting Kara? Yeah, that's true. If Kelly is going to give Alex all that information about her allergies, maybe maybe Alex could share about her sister. Yeah, like, just FYI. <laughs> I have a big thing that I haven't told you yet. Riley wrote in to say, uh, I have a few hopes, pun intended, that <laughs> comes to our new favorite AI. Do you think now that she's taken over Miss Tessmaka's body... <laughs> That we will see Leviathan take Hope, and Hope will join Leviathan? Or better yet, Hope will be in charge of Leviathan. I was also curious to see if we could see Hope join sides with the Anti-Monitor during Crisis on Infinite Earths. I know in the comics the Anti-Monitor is a robot-like character, and I would really enjoy seeing Hope join with her own kind. What if Hope is the big bad of Crisis on Infinite Earths? Oh my god, that would be... I, I can't even express how happy I'd be. Listen, we've, we've been complaining that it doesn't seem like there's going to be enough Supergirl content in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Here's a quick way you can you can fix that. <laughs> Just make it all about hope being evil. Uh, that I think that would uh, heal a lot of wounds for us and make up for a lot of missed opportunities. Uh, yeah, I think that I think if anybody can cause uh, a big problem in the multiverse, I think it would be hope. Uh, well, Abby wrote in with a few questions. Uh, number one was Mackenzie at Catco, and will she be back to continue her investigation into Elcorp now that it is no longer a partner of Catco? Um, I guess Mackenzie's still there. We don't see her. So uh, we have no idea, uh, which is strange because Mackenzie was a really, she was a go-getter. She was really out there, you know, really working hard and and getting those story pitches in. And now she's nowhere to be seen. Uh, so I guess she's uh, she's either on vacation or she's in the background not doing her job. So, <laughs> yeah, we have not seen uh, Mackenzie this season so far. Uh, Abby's second question is, what's with Lena's assistants never doing their jobs? Good question. Uh, the only one that we can see that has done a good job is Hope. And now Hope has uh, been promoted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> got an office upgrade. <laughs> yeah. uh, Abby's third question is, was it confirmed that Obsidian North uh, technology works on aliens? For Jean to be the last green Martian, it's it's curious that they would have the technology for a brain uh, analysis. But maybe I missed something. Yeah, I was curious about that too. Yeah, well, they haven't really mentioned aliens much in this season. It's not a big deal anymore. <laughs> don't worry they they fixed it last year <laughs> everything is fine now we don't have to worry about aliens Our wrote an article and now and now racism is over <laughs> we're good we <laughs> we're solved good, it we did it 
We did it. Congratulations. Um, so Susie writes, this episode unfortunately reminded me of last season when there were too many storylines and everything was spread thin. It was bizarre that Kara and Lena could have the most important event in their relationship occur and then have zero interaction in episode two. I rolled my eyes at the redeemable character moment of William feeding the homeless. Are we supposed to like him now? Yeah, uh, that's a good point about Kara and Lena not interacting in this episode. Kara did mention that she was glad that she had the weight of the secret off her shoulders now that she's told Lena, but there wasn't a lot of follow-up to that. So it is a little strange. I was so focused on the uh, the hope of it all, I didn't even... <laughs> Didn't even spend time to think like, hey, it would be great to check in on Car and Lena and see where they are at right now. But I, I do think Susie has a good point of some of the storylines did seem they were seem like they were spread a little thin. I, I think there's there's a good point in that argument. Uh, well, a listener named Supergirl Writer wrote, quote, Lena Luther has always been one of my favorite characters because she is this morally gray person and she can't be fully good or fully bad because that's not Lena. And now that we've experienced her bright side, it's good to see that she also has this Luther side to her. What she is doing sort of reminds me of what Astra wanted to do with Myriad. Astra wanted to control people's thoughts and free will to, quote, fix them. And she really thought she was doing the right thing. And we know that didn't end up well for Astra. I just hope Lena's character gets the development she deserves. Uh, and by the way, I now truly believe Hope is the season's villain, unquote. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm pulling for Hope. I think maybe Hope will turn it around and she will end up being... Uh, a good guy on the the side of good this season. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to give up on her too soon. Uh, even though I hope she really is uh, the big bad of the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good point about uh, uh, being sort of like what Astro was trying to do in season one. I, there's a lot to that, especially in terms of the free will and the controlling people's thoughts. That's a good point. Uh, so Fanny wrote in with some predictions. One, Hope in the body of Eve will turn on Lena and will have a mind of her own. Um, Hope will try to destroy Supergirl. Lena will team up with Kara. That might bring them closer again, but once Kara learns what Lena did, it will rock their friendship. So that, I mean, I could I could really see that one happening. Uh, I definitely think Hope will try to destroy Supergirl. That, that seems inevitable. Hope was like, you have been hitting her for weeks. Let me hit her now. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Hope, no! <laughs> uh, two, William Day is undercover to bring down Andrea Rojas. I suspect that something happened to William's wife and Andrea is responsible. Carl will team up with him to bring Andrea down. In the process, they will grow closer. A new love interest for Kara might be on the horizon. I think that is Ooh. probably 100% correct. That sounds so plausible. That seems very likely. I think Fanny's on, we're spot on with that. I, th I think she's on fire so far with her predictions. <laughs> Watch the last one be like something super crazy. <laughs> like James Olsen does not become Turtle Boy. <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be so crazy, Fanny. Okay. Her number three <laughs> prediction is Jean's memories will be wiped because of the mind reset his brother does to himself. Oh, brother, not another mind wipe story. <laughs> they seem to be linked like twins so that when one experiences pain, so does the other. Brainy will bring back Wynn from the future along with the technology to help him. Oh, that would uh, – listen, Fanny, I was on board on one and two, but number three would – 
I'd be so, so, so mad. <laughs> I can't do another, I can't do another mind wipe. I just can't do it. I just can't, I refuse to acknowledge it as a story possibility. It would be d- difficult to, to take in. And also, uh, the fact that Brainy wouldn't be able to solve this on his own and would need Wen's help, I, I guess I could see it because Wen has gone to the future and there's probably some advancements, but I feel like Brainy should be able to solve that kind of stuff. Yeah, I could only see it if, like, Wen had to physically bring back a doodad or a gadget from the future. Like, Brainy should be able to figure that out by himself. Um, Well, Sony writes, quote, This season there were many interviews and so much fuss about Supergirl getting pants, but it feels like they have taken those pants away from Kara. As someone who really enjoyed Kara's wardrobe in earlier seasons where she used to wear a lot of sweaters, cardigans, and pants, it feels like her dressing style has completely changed, which I really loved as it suited her personality. She looked adorkable and quirky. Although Melissa looks amazing in those dresses. The thing I don't like is the notion that Kara is growing up. I don't think growing up is related to people changing their outfits completely to pencil dresses, unquote. <laughs> She's, she is wearing a lot of pencil dresses. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. But I do think she does, especially in terms of the, <laughs> the price of those dresses, she does <laughs> seem to be a little more, I think, sophisticated is maybe, in my mind, that's the the better word and i'm not really great with words and that comes from somebody who actually does a podcast every week but (laughs) uh i i don't think it's so much of her growing up as she's just becoming a little more sophisticated but i mean you're right that in earlier seasons she wore a lot of pants she wore a lot of sweaters and cardigans and those kinds of things um but but i think she's she's trying to be a little more professional that maybe is Maybe that's even the the better word. She just looks more professional. Yeah. We have an email from CJ who writes, Where are the aliens? Not Kara or John Jones, but background aliens. Clerks with horns ringing up Kara's coffee order. Random person walking past a window. Not even a mention? Of the Alien Amnesty Act? Thank my goodness. bet, <laughs> My bet, either the writers have moved on or the aliens decided Earth wasn't upscale enough for them and they all moved to Argo City. I mean, well, I mean, the Argo City is a, is a, is a very nice place. They could uh, move around in those really, really comfortable pajama outfits and, <laughs> like... Who doesn't who doesn't want to live like that? <laughs> and you could go hang out in the afternoon in a gazebo. You can hang out in that gazebo. We you can report back on whether or not that, that gazebo turned out to be evil. <laughs> I had a whole theory back in theory. It did not pan out for me. No, it has not been debunked. It's still a theory that could be p- plausible. We just <laughs> we just don't have confirmation one way. We don't or the have other. the evidence yet. <laughs> So it is it is still possible. Um, yeah, no, they have totally not mentioned the Alien Amnesty Act, which is probably good because then it won't uh, get my blood pressure up. But uh, it's a good point. They seem to have forgotten all about that alien nonsense from last season. Uh, speaking of where people are, Courtney wrote in to ask, where's Nia's roommate? Yeah, I, I wondered that too. She had a fun roommate and now we haven't seen... Uh, the roommate. What does uh, the roommate think about Brainy coming over? Oh, my God. I, I want to see the roommate's reaction to some of the Brainy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> the Brainy's sitting there reading poetry, and the roommate is like, you have got to get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and no more sushi. <laughs> 
Uh, I hope we see her soon. Um, so this this uh, delights me. Our Supergirl Radio legal consultants. We need to we need to get a jingle, some kind of sounder. I don't know if anybody wants to uh, create one for us. I'll, I'll try to see if I can come up with something. But I really feel like they need something to introduce them when they ride in with really important legal uh, terminology and facts for us because they really have come through for us on several occasions so uh we'll we'll work on that well, maybe maybe we'll like come up with a jingle I'll be like talking about the law or something <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that is now the sound effect thank you very much no. um oh, so I, they've come through for us again as they always do um because last episode we expressed some confusion about those catco contracts um, and, and I had, I mean, I should have seen that I was going to be, this is not realistic. And then the, like the, the lawyers are going to write in and be like, you don't know anything, uh, <laughs> but let's, let's find out if, whose side that they were on. Um, so Les, <laughs> Leslie, Leslie wrote in and sa- saying the absurdity of the three year non-compete clause in the CatCo employees contracts did not really bother me as an attorney. Um, as my legal co uh, consultant had mentioned in the refugee podcast, legal proceedings are generally not correctly portrayed on TV shows. Just take dramatic license when it comes to depicting legal proceedings, which in real life can be rather dry and boring. Uh, it is not unusual for employment contracts to contain unenforceable provisions. I thought that the CatCo employees always had a non-compete clause in their contracts from when Cat Grant started her company, perhaps in New York, whereby New York law was to be used to interpret these contracts. I assume that Lena simply renewed those contracts with the non-compete clauses in them right before Andrea Rojas took over CatCo. Except for what happened to a Siobhan, uh, Silver Banshee, and Cara when she wrote the article for caradanvers.com, <laughs> those non-compete clauses were not enforced as aggressively as Andrea Rojas was claiming she would, uh, she could and would do. Non-complete, ag- non-compete agreements are signed in two typical situations, employment contracts and contracts for selling businesses. Lengthy non-compete clauses in employment contracts are generally disfavored by the courts. Throughout time, courts have employed the blue pencil doctrine to invalidate unreasonable employment non-compete clauses by striking those provisions out of the employment contract with a blue pencil. Employers, so so you're telling me that if I just like go to my next employment contract and just bring a blue pencil and just go, no, <laughs> right? is that what you're telling me, Leslie? That's what I'm hearing. Um, <laughs> Um, employers often try to put unenforceable provisions in employment contracts or try a variety of ways to disguise such provisions. Also, some vindictive employers can blacklist former employees by word of mouth, which is what Cat Grant did to Siobhan, who could not get a job with Perry White at the Daily Planet or any other media outlet after she was fired from CatCo. Because employees don't know their rights, they think that they are bound by these unenforceable non-compete clauses. A fight to invalidate these these clauses can be costly. Former employees probably should hire an attorney to fight the company, which is going to be represented by a high-priced attorney. Courts are more apt to enforce a non-compete clause in the sale of a business than in the employment arena because there is a strong public policy to afford an individual the right to work and pursue a livelihood. Certain states severely 
severely limit the enforceability of non-compete clauses, especially if the former employee had no access to nor took any trade secrets or confidential information. In fact, non-compete clauses in employment contracts in California where National City is located, are banned, void, and unenforceable. Uh, the Huffington Post did an extensive article on non-compete clauses under California law in a February 23, 2017 article titled um, Understanding California's Ban on Non-Compete Agreements. That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> some companies try unique ways to get around this law by claiming a contract will be interpreted using another state's laws where non-compete clauses are enforceable, but California courts are very vigilant uh, to strike down any clause that smacks of a non-compete provision. Every state approaches the enforceability of non-compete clauses differently. And then she also provided us a URL on one firm's analysis of the enforceability of non-compete clauses broken down state by state. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was a tour de force. Uh, So I think what we found out is like, if your work has a non-compete clause and you have a blue pen, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll include uh, the links that uh, Leslie uh, included for us into the show notes so that everybody can take a look at it if they so desire we also heard from our other legal or supergirl radio legal consultant susan who wrote quote thought i would answer your questions about the catco contract slash not compete as you are now truly in my wheelhouse (laughs) as an experienced lawyer who happens to have once worked for a media company that owned newspapers and magazines mm -hmm, i can tell you without question that the plot point about the New three-year contract with a non-compete is, to use the technical term, completely ridiculous. Yes. Some, <laughs> some, some people do sign contracts with non-competes in the media business. The contract is signed when you get the job or when the prior contract expires or you get a promotion and they offer you a new one. The company cannot unilaterally impose a contract or change a, or change a contract. They make you an offer and you negotiate and accept or not and quit. Also in the news business, some places are unionized and therefore individual reporters do not have contracts. If the company wanted to have a three-year commitment with a non-compete, they would have to go through extensive and complicated negotiations with the union and the union would have to, uh, would have to agree, which would never happen. As a side note, in order to actually be enforceable, a non-compete has to be limited in time and scope. Individuals have a right to work. So while CatCo might be able to prevent people from working for competitors in National City, there is very little they can do to stop anyone from going to another city like Metropolis and working there. Which means the only way everyone or anyone has a new three-year contract with a broad non-compete is if Lena offered them new contracts before the sale and then they all agreed to them. A new owner cannot unilaterally impose them. Separately, as a further FYI, actors rarely have true non-competes. They often have terms that put uh, a particular show or production company in first position. They also may have provisions that require them to get permission to work on a project for a particular or uh, for a particular other network or competitor. But the key obligation is just to show up and be available for the job. Only if the actor does not want to do that, it, there is an issue. There are a few famous stories of TV stars who missed out on big movie roles because of their obligations to the TV show, but the issue was scheduling, not a non-compete. If the director of the film was willing to shoot around the actor's schedule on the TV show, there would have been no issue. I I think that uh, there are lots of 
examples of that. One that comes to my mind is uh, on the final season of Lost, they needed Juliet Burke to show up. uh, And she was played by Elizabeth Mitchell. And at the time, Elizabeth Mitchell was also the star of ABC's V. Uh, which was shooting at the same time. So she had to do both of those TV shows at the same time, but she was able to do it because the schedule allowed for it. So I think that's kind of what Susan is talking about. Uh, She finishes by saying, the whole thing with the Cat Co. non-compete irks me because it fundamentally is about lazy writing. I have a pretty high tolerance for legal things on television not being accurately represented. Two of my favorite shows are The Worst Offenders, Suits (laughs) and The Good Wife slash The Good Fight. In those cases, it is generally about making uh, exaggerated, entertaining television. Here with Supergirl, the writers just couldn't come up with another reason why everyone couldn't ju- wouldn't just quit when Andrea Rojas took over. Unquote. Whew. So I think we have learned a lot today. I think we have learned. Uh, we know all about non compete clauses <laughs> and uh, and and television production schedules. And blue pens, <laughs> and uh, I I feel more more knowledgeable. I do feel I have to say I thought that what was going to end up happening is that we were going to read these and they were going to be like, yes, these non compete clauses are very very standard, and uh, and it's you know you should know this. So I I felt a little bit uh, a little happy that we weren't totally off base and being like. This non-compete business does not sound real. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there were a lot of problems with it. Um, so we have a, also have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hello, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here. Awesome episode today. I'm watching this back-to-back with Batwoman, and just like Batwoman, I like how they just getting straight to the plot and no filler. I was like, with Batwoman, I was like, oh, they're, they already revealed that? Okay. And then I see Superwoman, I mean, Supergirl, I was like, Oh, they reveal that too. Awesome. No, I like it getting straight to the point. So I like um just keep on ahead. I like the mini montage at the end of the episode where you show which each character's doing. Supergirl doing herself with Catco. We you see um what's the guy game what Guardian I, uh, James, there we go. Where you don't know what he, he has anything he wants to do. So I hopefully this will be the first CW or second CW character that doesn't die because you can't say anything from Flash and all the or the, all the era people who die every season. So hopefully he lives. And I hate to see that Brainy and Mia might not work. They're probably writing a way for them to break up, which is going to be super sad every since we saw her turn around. And then we have our human um, antagonist for the season with that Spanish lady since she's doing the VR. And it's like, oh, she has a hidden agenda. We have Lena with her hidden agenda with um. Um, what's her name again? Her assistant, but uh, Lillian or whatever her name is. Um, uh, but yeah, apparently, like I said, the CW likes to keep their actresses around, and this is a way how they keep the assistant or hope invade her body as she plays a different character, like Legend. Um, and yeah, but it's a good episode. Sorry for this being long. I try to shorten it up. But anyway, until next week. Um, so here's my question. I kind of got glad we got some more lore on the Martian stuff. Um, is there any lore stuff you guys read in the comics that you wanted to get introduced in the show? Because I'm not the biggest comic fan reader, and I know there's a ton of um, Marshall and Mindhunter and lore out there, if you guys know anything. Thanks, and have a nice day. So Mauricio thinks that the episode was the start of Brainy and Nia possibly breaking up because they may not work. Do you think that is the case? So I don't think that they ended the the episode in, like, a great place because Nia did not look happy at the Mm -hmm. end as he was reading his poetry to her. Um, But I don't know about a breakup. I think... um, 
that would be really abrupt, although I do not put stuff like that past these shows <laughs> uh, to have them like, you know, have like a half a season worth of build up and then be like, nah, uh, <laughs> Car and James. But, <laughs> I was about uh, to say, it's not, it's not like they've done that with the lead of the show. It's not like they've done that before. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that they ended in a in a great place, but I don't know that I necessarily thought there was like a huge chance of them breaking up. Yeah, I think she was just really annoyed with him. Yeah. That's kind of what I got from it. Uh, and Mauricio also uh, asked, is there any Martian lore in the comics that we'd like to see on the show? Uh, I don't know about you, Morgan, but they've kind of already introduced a lot of the Martian mythology that I'm aware of. They talk about Haran Mare's curse. They talk about the hive mind. They have uh, Malefic and John with their brothers squabble. So I, for, for a lot of what I know about the Martian mythology, that's kind of it. I'm not as well versed in Martian Manhunter uh, as I should be. But personally, for me, I wish they would... Uh, visit the John Jones detective uh, side of the Martian Manhunter character. They they had John build this entire new set, this office that he has, and he has a detective agency, but I, I think they only dealt with that for like an episode last season, and that was kind of <laughs> it. So I, for me, I just wish they would revisit that and explore more of his detective agency. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, I don't really know much at all about the um, the Martian uh, stuff from the comics, so I, I would be the wrong person to ask about what they should be bringing in, but I would absolutely like to see him do more detective stuff. I felt like they they sort of introduced it and then dropped it pretty pretty shortly afterwards i mean they built that really nice set and now all they're using it for is to go inside jean's memories that's all they're using that really nice uh beauty and the beast set for uh, so i really wish they would uh incorporate more of the detective stuff uh well before we wrap up our feedback we have some snap judgments sent in by our listeners in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary so our first set of snap judgments comes from abby uh she asks what article would you like Kara to write the Pelican article or the Pulitzer's fashion article. So, Morgan, which one would you rather car write? I still got to know what's going on with those Pelicans. What is up with the Pelicans? What is going on? I think that go- <laughs> I think this story goes all the way to the top. <laughs> the Pelican food chain. <laughs> yeah. I would choose Pel- Pelican article. That's way more important. Uh, the second one from Abby is blueberry pancakes or breakfast burrito. Hmm. Blueberry pancakes. I, I usually I usually do sweet over savory. Yeah, I definitely want to go blueberry pancakes on that one. Uh, the next one from Abby is best push off the balcony bridal carry save. Lena in season two or Kelly in this week's episode. I mean, I think I have to go Lena in season two. Yeah, I think I'm going to go uh, Lena in season two. Uh, there's something about Supergirl saving Lena that has a little more weight to it, I think. 
Uh, so we have some snap judgments from Danae. Which will happen first? Eve taking over Hope and getting revenge on Leviathan, or Hope becoming evil and taking over L Corp? Which one will happen first? Hmm. I'm gonna say Hope becoming evil and taking over LL Corp because I just I love the I love the mental image of like Lena walking in one day and like Eve is just like feet up on Lena's desk and she's like <laughs> what's going on and Lena and, and and Eve is like I'm the boss now. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, that's more likely to happen just because of the proximity <laughs> that uh, Lena, <laughs> Lena, and Hope are probably going to be working closer to L Corp. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, Hope becoming evil and taking over L Corp as well. Uh, Danae asks, who will be running against James for senator, Maxwell Lord or Lucy Lane? Which one would you rather see as an opponent? Oh, I would love to see Maxwell Lord back again. Uh, the, the show, believe me, we're not going to see either of these two people because the show <laughs> does not remember they exist whatsoever. Uh, so I wouldn't get my hopes up, but Maxwell Lord would be great because I think that James needs like like a, a nice villain to sort of go up against. But Lucy Lane knows James really well and she could That's really true. throw out all all the dirt on him and just really give him a run for his money. So I think I'm going to go Lucy Lane on that one. Who would you vote for? You know, I'm going to go Lucy Lane because Lucy served her country. She uh, She's a, a very commanding presence, even though she was promoted to director of the DEO and then immediately demoted. Uh, so she also is a member of the Lane family. So she, you know, she's from good people. Uh, I, yeah, I would vote for Lucy Lane. On the other side, James did break a camera one time. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the greatest sin out of, uh, out of anything you could throw at him. Uh, so I, I, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm voting for James on this one. Um, so Danae also asks, uh, which, which is the smartest clothing choice? Lena finally wearing a lab coat or Eve wearing her blue prison pajamas? I mean, I think I have to go with Lena finally wearing a lab coat. I think that's, that's the point of the episode where I knew things were going to get serious. (laughs) that Lena really meant business because she was like this week I'm finally gonna be like in the full scientist garb yeah I think uh I think Lena actually had the choice in her clothing uh for this week I don't think Eve had much of a choice I feel like Lena should get the props for both of those because she's the one who gave Eve those uh, those really comfortable looking blue prison pajamas. She's like, I hate you, but here it's a soft tear cloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think Lena was the one making all the clothing choices. Uh, so I would definitely choose Lena for that one. Okay, so we have uh, a set of snap judgments from Gina. So the first one is best Kara and Alex fight. Okay, so we have three choices here. Uh, normally it's just two, but we'll make an exception for this one. Kara versus Myriad controlled Alex from season one. Kara versus White Martian Alex in season two. Or Kara versus, and I'm going to say Maalafelex <laughs> uh, from season five. Maalafelex. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, uh, so which one would you <laughs> pick, Morgan? I think I'm going to go the, the season one. Because Alex had like a really cool suit in that one. And she had a kryptonite sword. 
And a kryptonite sword. Yes. I, I don't I don't know that you can beat that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go season one fight. That yeah, she had a whole armored attire with a kryptonite sword. That was pretty awesome. Uh so best breakfast ever. Breakfast burrito or chicken biscuit? I think I'm going to go chicken biscuit. Yeah, I think I am also going to go chicken biscuit. Burritos, I feel like, are more of a lunch thing for me. I yeah, really... bur- bur- burritos feel too heavy for the morning for me. Yeah, I can't get into a burrito for breakfast. Although, if someone gave me one, I would eat it. Um, I'm not going to oh, be, yeah, I'm not gonna be picky. Eat it. <laughs> uh, but if I had a choice, I would want to have a burrito for lunch or dinner. So I'm going to go chicken biscuit on that one. Okay, so... Last snap judgment, the most important one that we're going to make in this episode. Miss Tessmacher! Uh, I did not do that very well. Let's try that again. Miss Tessmacher! With curly hair or Hope slash Tessmacher hybrid with straight hair. Hmm. This is a, yeah, this is a tough one. I do like straight, like Hope, Hope Eve has like a real, like, cult member vibe <laughs> like she's wearing all white she's got that sort of like dead around the eyes look <laughs> so i'm gonna give it i gotta give it to my girl hope eve like i got hope hope all the way <laughs> yeah i think uh, she's I like think... i will straighten this hair <laughs> <laughs> we're not letting that robot voice die no, never, never let it up. die <laughs> Um, I think for all those things that you just described is why I'm going to go Hope Tessmacher Hybrid uh, with straight hair. Have we, by the way, have we mentioned on this podcast yet that there's already a Hope uh, Twitter account? (laughs) (laughs) You said it to me earlier tonight and I did not notice when I was like, so I looked it up because I knew the icon was her with the the straight (laughs) hair and I needed to look at it again. But I didn't notice that like the, the top banner image says, did you forget? Cara Danvers <laughs> I was surprised it didn't say are you sure you don't want to destroy super <laughs> yeah yeah I think in my google docs that I wrote the the notes I think hope says something like uh and Lena says something like uh, uh something about killing supergirl and hope says something uh well yes would you like me to facilitate uh that's what I would have put up there um, <laughs> would you like me so to f- uh yeah so if you're interested in that hope twitter account it's at hope ai underscore uh so yeah very funny keep an eye on that because uh, that could be i guess some good times no judgments on your snap judgments All right, well, that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Stranger Beside Me. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 678-718-7252, and please make sure to do that uh, all before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that features music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. And we're on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so you have some time. We encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. 
Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DC TV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash, Andy and friends make quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. These ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit, a Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, except maybe after the end of season five. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at TheDerbyKid. I am also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And I am also a voice actor on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. Uh, I also did a voice uh, on the, I think it was the second to last episode or the last episode of The Fakest. So you should definitely check it out. It's a really funny podcast. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We just released the second part of our um, history um episodes last week where amy took us through uh some historical baddies we might be meeting next season on uh, legends of tomorrow i think she went over uh rasputin with his creepy uh creepy eyes and um and caligula um and we have some plans that we were supposed to record tomorrow night but then none of us could do it uh as per usual so it's going to be a little bit later in the month but we we're going to be doing another one of these um podcasts about some historical figures who might show up on the show but it's going to be within my wheelhouse because it's going to be about serial killers Ah. i mean if that is also an interest of yours like it is maybe the writers of this episode uh (laughs) you should check that out will there be any cult leaders um do you consider the manson family a cult uh yes i think so so then yes there will be oh very very (laughs) good very good Okay, well then, uh, I I would look forward to hearing more (laughs) about uh, that very grim topic, but I'm sure it is fascinating and very uh, educational, so that should be good times. Uh, Well, that's going to do it for this episode on A Stranger Beside Me, but until next time, I am still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, there's no time like the present to create the future. (laughs) 